You know, there's a cost to everything. And I sometimes wonder what's the cost of schools too narrowly identifying a subset of their, their student body as quote-unquote leaders because they fit some kind of mold or definition or a, ideal that we hold folks to that are whatever a leader is. And that is the basis of today's conversation because Mark Herbert, who wrote a book I suggest you check out called I'm Not a Leader, but the Not is crossed off for you. Uh, he really thinks about this leadership experience deeply. And it was that experience he had as a student where he was identified as a leader, but the majority of his peers were not, that set his life into motion down this leadership path and how he shows up and serves schools and their students around this topic of leadership. So enjoy the conversation, check out his book, and I hope this podcast inspires you to reconsider some of the ways that you can invite many more participants to the leadership table. Hey, it's Danny, and welcome to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. This is a show for ruckus makers, those out-of-the-box leaders making change happen in education. And we'll be right back after a few short messages from today's show sponsors. Learn how to successfully navigate change, shape your school's success, and lead your teams with Harvard's Certificate in School Management and Leadership. Get world-class Harvard faculty research specifically adapted for pre-K through 12 schools. Self-paced online professional development that fits your schedule. Programs run October 12th to November 9th, 2022. Apply by Friday, September 30th for our upcoming cohort at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. During COVID, every teacher is a new teacher. That's why innovative school leaders are turning to TeachFX, whose virtual PD is equipping thousands of teachers with the skills they need to create engaging, equitable, and rigorous virtual or blended classes. To learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer, visit teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. That's teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. All students have an opportunity to succeed with Organized Binder, who equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning, whether that's in a distance, hybrid, or traditional educational setting. Learn more at OrganizedBinder.com. Well, hello, Ruckus Maker. Today I'm joined by Mark Herbert, and Mark's passion is to release untapped leadership potential in people. So much leadership is wasted when the world defines leadership too narrowly. Mark's work helps people to better understand themselves and grow to be comfortable leading out of who they are. Mark has worked as a high school teacher, chairman of a youth charity and youth pastor, and now runs a leadership consultancy called Leader Full. You can check out his work, leader-full.co.uk. It focuses most of his time uh, on school and co colleges. He lives in the UK with his wife and young family and loves to explore the great outdoors. Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks, Danny. It's uh, really great to be with you. Yeah, pleasure's mine. So I remember from our pre-chat, you know, you talked about like 20 years ago, uh, you had a private school experience. Uh, you did well, right? And experienced a lot of success, loved the experience. 
And then 20 years later, you sort of reflecting, right, that you were recognized as a leader at the age of 18. But then you started thinking, what about everybody else? So can you bring us, you know, to that moment when you had this light bulb and reflecting on that school experience? Yeah, it's, it's a funny thing, isn't it? Hindsight, you look back. I mean, I had a great education. I loved um, in, the, in the UK, we call it school, which is, you know, high school up to 18. Um, had some great friends, great opportunities. And it was a good school. It was a really good education. Um, probably my best years of my life. And I look back and just loved it. And there's so much that's positive. So I wouldn't want to be negative about it, except that when I look back now, I realized that an awful lot of attention was given to the few of us who were recognized leaders. And so in our school, it was the kind of prefects who were the student body representatives and leaders. It was the sports captains, people on scholarships. And, and all those three things are something that I achieved and therefore I was a leader. And it was a wonderful place for me to flourish, which was great. But I, I do look back now and I've reconnected with various people who weren't those things. And I look back thinking, why, why was leadership defined so narrowly in those years? Why was it the sort of domain of the exclusive few? I guess it's created a bit of sort of holy discontent and, and gentle baseline frustration in me that's meant me, I wanted to sort of join this ruckus making community and just say, look, let's, let's think about leadership more broadly than that. Let's not think of there are leaders and there's everybody else, but let's really think about what it means to be a leader. And I hope that will just release leadership potential that, that rests in people that's often lies untapped. And, and that's my real passion is to sort of untap that. Yeah, that's a great uh, passion to have, you know, and uncorking the potential that's that's inside every human being. You know, what a great way to invest your, your time and talent. So tell us about leadership. You know, when you think about it, uh, how do you define it in your, your view? I guess I I'd define it as, as it's definitely not about a position um, because I've seen, like we all have, many people in positions of leadership who are not very good leaders or don't do much leading and other people who are not in recognized leadership positions who do an awful lot of leading. So I prefer to use the word influence. I think leaders are influencers. So typically in a school, I'll go in and I'll, I'll speak to some young people and I'll say, stick your hand up in the air if you're a leader. And I get a tiny number of hands go up and it's always the same. And then we talk about leadership. We talk about wanting to have a positive influence on others. We talk about serving other people rather than taking and at the end of the 45 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever I've had with them, I ask the same question. Hey, raise your hand if you think you're a leader or want to be an effective leader. And typically 85, 90% of the hands go up. And I hope that what they've seen in that little moment is that leadership is about influence, not about position, that we can all have a positive influence on other people and that leadership is inherently relational. So I really define leadership as having a, having a positive influence on other people through relationships. I like that because the key is, you know, with relationships and that kind of thing. I'm curious in, in your years uh, on this earth, what have you learned about like forming strong relationships so you can have that kind of influence, you know, that you want to have with people? I think if I was to go back 20 something years to my last year in school, back then I probably would have formed relationships just through general charisma and in a right sense, in a good sense, a kind of force of personality. But I think I've come to realize more, more recently that I build much better relationships with people when I understand them. And I understand them when I listen really carefully. So I think as a leader now, compared to 20-something years ago, I try to be a leader who listens more carefully now and speaks less. 
when I understand someone, then I can enter into their world. I understand their hopes and dreams, their strengths, their struggles. And then I feel I'm in a much better position to try and have a positive influence over them. And inevitably, I end up learning loads myself. And I've had some great role models in my life who've just been the most brilliant leaders for me. And often they're, they're, they're quite unassuming, not always the most public, not always the most confident people. Uh, and that's really, again, been fuel for the fire. You don't have to be really self-confident. You don't have to lead from the front to be an effective leader. So for me, and I, interestingly now, I, I coach people on how to build good, healthy relationships. It's often a focus in schools. And I guess one of the big areas I focus on is learn to listen. Because when you really listen, you can understand. And when you really understand, then you can start relating well. Yeah, that's uh, that's fantastic advice. You know, the more, well, they say, right, you got two ears, one mouth for a reason type of thing. And so the the, <laughs> the wisdom should just be there looking at your face, you know. But if when it comes to listening, has there been a, like a mentor in a moment that helped you really level this up? Or is there like a book or a resource, you know, you would point people towards. So, you know, the ruckus maker listening to this show is like, oh, you know what? Uh, I want to be more influential and I want to do that through listening. And so what would you tell us? I think it's been a combination of things. Um, you know, when you've been in the presence of someone who's listened and not just sort of like pseudo listened, but really listened, you just, mm -hmm. you just know it. Like their attention to you and the eye contact and the fact that they're fully present in the moment is brilliant. I, I to be honest, the person I've learned most from is my wife, um, Steph. Yeah. She's a brilliant listener. I get irritated because she's such a good listener because <laughs> if she's listening to somebody else on the phone and I just want to quickly get an answer out of her, I'll get nothing because she's fully in the moment with that person. Yeah. So probably if I was to name one person who's really helped me and I'm a natural communicator but not a natural listener and I've come to realise that actually I won't be a good communicator without listening, she's probably been the biggest influence. I remember reading a book not too long ago, um, Kate Murphy, called You're Not Listening. And the mm -hmm. title of the book was provocative enough. And it really just challenged me to think through, we live in a world of broadcasting and of speaking and telling. We don't live in a world of listening. So that book was really helpful. But I, I'd say it's more a, a kind of journey than a, a light bulb moment. I've just come to realise how important it is. And that's probably come through deeper self-reflection. Um, I was I was interested to read in the Harvard Business Review, October 2021, I think it was. And there was an article run where some of the top CEOs across America were asked, you know, what's the, the number one skill you're now looking in replacement CEOs? And the one that came out on top was listening. Hmm. Um, and I was kind of surprised, but also delighted to hear that, that, that big companies are recognizing the importance of listening. And I don't think it's any different in schools. Yeah, probably not. I mean... I'd have to check out the article, but to me, it's it's talking about like being responsive and being aware, you know, uh, the issues, the the challenges an organization faces, and, and helping people navigate around those. And at the end of the day, every you know, folks, uh, it feels good to be seen and heard, right? And if you're not listening, you can't you can't give people that gift. And so, yeah, that's that's really uh, powerful. Thank you for sharing that, Mark. So moving from listening, you know, and back to this idea of of um, uh, leadership and being identified, you know, back in the day. What do you think when you hear somebody say, because people say this a lot, right? I'm not a leader, quote, quote unquote. What goes through your head when somebody says that? Yeah, I guess I, I smile and, and I almost want to prove them wrong um, because <laughs> I hear that loads, um, yeah. particularly with younger students in schools. 
I'm not a leader because I'm not confident. I'm not a leader because I'm not as good as him or her. It's the comparison piece. I'm not a leader because I haven't got the position. I keep getting overlooked. Um, I'm not a leader because I can't speak in public. I often hear I'm not very mm. good up in front of people. So I do hear it a lot. Um, but because I try to help people view leadership more broadly than often, I find people are initially thinking about it. It's something I love to talk about. And I love to sort of ask questions to pry into that whole philosophy of I'm not a leader because I just don't think it's true. And I've seen some amazing leadership that's come out of, in school context, that's come out of people who just needed someone to encourage them. And suddenly they're having the most amazing influence on other people. Um, and they might have said at the start, well, I'm not a leader. And they've suddenly started leading. So, yeah, I, I find it a very provocative sort of thing that I hear commonly. And I certainly want to try and challenge it if I can. Yes, yeah, that's funny. It uh, pulls you into your calling, right? And helping people see themselves as a leader. But the other thing, too, for you to be able to encourage somebody in that, back to connecting some dots, you have to fully uh, see and hear them, right? And back to the active listening and really creating that space for people, too, to understand you know, how they've been uh, created and what their gifts are and to encourage them down that path. So, you know, if, if, if anyone can lead, right, but maybe they have those scripts in their head, oh, I'm not comfortable speaking yet, or, you know, I don't have the confidence and so on and so forth. How do folks start, right? Like what's a, what's an easy win or a first small step for somebody who's struggling with that? I think I've I've noticed a couple of things that the first would be, I think a lot of the conversation is around who are the leaders and who aren't the leaders rather than what is leadership. So rather than sticking people into two camps, which is very binary, you're in or you're yeah. out. Let's talk about what leadership is. If leadership is about having a positive influence, stick your hand up if you want in for that. And that's the kind of thing I get at a school. The other thing is, is, I so often see it's the it's the small things that make the most effective leaders. It's not always the grand gestures. So I kind of say to someone who says, look, I really want to be a leader or I want to be a better leader. Well, let's start small. Let's start somewhere. And for me, that starts with knowing yourself because if you don't really know yourself, you can't really take responsibility to lead yourself well. And then you're never going to have a good foundation for leading others. So I always say to people, well, let's explore, first of all, who you are, who, who you're wired to be, who you're created to be. What are your strengths? What are your fears? What are your blind spots? And then let's lead out of that. And I think that's a much more authentic leader because you're not trying to copy someone. You're not trying to fulfill a particular leadership stereotype. Um, in a sense, your leadership will be as unique as you are. So let's celebrate that. And let's not endlessly compare one leader to another. The thing too, when you compare yourself to others or you try to mimic them, and I think in the early days, it might be okay, right? To like mimic uh, people you look up to and that kind of thing. But if you try to fully be them, that's just a recipe for failure. You know, I, I remember as a first year teacher seeing this eighth, so I was in sixth grade and this eighth grade teacher, he was a former military guy. So had a lot of structure right around this class and students would uh, line up single file before they entered the room. He had these even little, little X's taped on the ground, you know, and they would just stand there, silent, before coming in to the classroom as if they were soldiers. And then I saw them into, in the classroom, and they were all quiet and doing their work. And it's funny because I didn't want to be that kind of teacher. I never was like a worksheet guy, in rows, quiet at your desk. But I couldn't believe uh, how much order there was within the classroom. Mm -hmm. And sometimes like, I kind of equated that to some like peace 
and calm too. And I exist in this sort of like crazy, chaotic, creative type of space was always my classroom. So long story short, I tried to be like this guy and taped the X's and tried to get my sixth grade students, not his eighth grade students, like the do the single file and march in and sit in rows. It blew up in my face. It did not work at all. And so I abandoned, I abandoned that within a, within a week. But my biggest lesson was don't try to be somebody else. You got to be who you are and amplify that and really try to find the strengths, you know, there instead of being somebody else. So. Absolutely. And, you know, be like a magpie, always steal good practice from other people. Always watch, Hey, why are they good? How are people responding? Well, I'm always reading. I'm always watching other people in a whole range of industries. How can I keep getting better? That's very different to trying to be someone you're not. And I think, there's loads we can learn from other people without having to feel we have to be them. Um, and that's the sort of delicate balance. If we can strike it, then we're going to have a really healthy growth mentality founded on a really secure personal identity. And uh, I think that makes for really effective leaders. Absolutely. Well, Mark, I'm enjoying our conversation. We're going to take a moment to pause here to get a message in from our sponsors. And when we come back, I want to talk to you about your book. Fantastic. Learn how to successfully navigate change, shape your school success, and empower your teams with Harvard Certificate in School Management and Leadership. Get online professional development that fits your schedule. Programs run October 12th to November 9th, 2022. Apply by Friday, September 30th for our upcoming cohort at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. Courses include Leading Change, Leading School Strategy, and Innovation leading people, and leading learning. Apply today at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. Better Leaders, Better Schools is brought to you by school leaders like Principal Gutierrez using TeachFX. Special populations benefit the most from verbally engaging in class, but get far fewer opportunities to do so than their peers, especially in virtual classes. TeachFX measures verbal engagement automatically in virtual or in-person classes to help schools and teachers address these issues of equity during COVID. Learn more and get a special offer from Better Leaders, Better Schools listeners at teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. That's teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. Today's show is brought to you by Organized Binder. Organized Binder develops the skills and habits all students need for success. During these uncertain times of distance learning and hybrid education settings, Organized Binder equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning routines so that all students have an opportunity to succeed, whether at home or in the classroom. Learn more at OrganizedBinder.com. All right, and we're back with... Mark Herbert, and we've been having a conversation on leadership, which, by the way, is my favorite topic to discuss. So thank you, Mark, for uh, being here talking leadership with me. And I mentioned before the break that we would uh, bring up your book. And so I'm curious why you wrote a book during the pandemic, if I'm, if I'm right, that's when you started it. And the book's called I'm Not a Leader. And you said with a big fat red pen, the knot is uh, crossed off, right? So it is that everybody is a leader. But yeah, why did you feel inspired to write a book during the pandemic? 
Yeah, well, the, the funny thing is, I, I don't really consider myself a writer, and I never set out to write a book. I mean, the short of it is, I was laid up on a on a couch on a sofa. I had had ankle surgery from an old sporting injury, and I couldn't really go anywhere for six weeks. I'm not a writer per se, but well, at least I didn't think I was. But I do process by writing. So I started writing down everything I had learned to that point in my life about leadership, and I just really enjoyed it. And as it started coming together, some sort of themes emerged and that became ultimately the sections in my book. But I just sort of started writing stuff and passed it to a few trusted friends who really encouraged me with it. So I thought, well, let's just keep going. Mm. Maybe one day this will be useful and I can use it as material. And kind of one thing led to another. But but what's really exciting is in I'm Not a Leader, and as you say, big red pen for you, the word not, I was playing on what we discussed earlier that I, I meet a lot of people who say, well, I'm not a leader. And I wanted to challenge that assumption. Yeah. And I don't think it's so much about who's a leader, who's not, or indeed that everyone is a leader or can be a leader. It's more there's leadership opportunity for everyone. And let's just think about what it means to be really effective in leadership in, in any particular moment. You know, Typically, you find a leader who feels because I'm the leader or a leader, I must therefore lead in every moment. Yeah, And that's just really unwise because sometimes the best thing a leader needs to do is get out of the way. Mm-hmm. But by getting out of the way, maybe that's the moment where someone who's sitting in the background who's saying, well, I'm not a leader, can step up and be the leader and actually be more effective because their style is exactly what the moment needed. So I tried to write something that really captured that, um, but write in a style that was really accessible. So the book's short, the chapters are never more than four pages. There's lots of pictures and diagrams. It really acts as like punchy little chapters you can jump into. Pick one. It's like a good dipping book. But also there's a common thread that hangs through it, through six sections that really enable you to kind of get into the book if you want to. So it's great for the person who doesn't see themselves as a leader because they can find a chapter and say, hey, look, I need to grow as a listener and read a chapter on listening. Or I'm not very good at having that uncomfortable conversation. Right. But also it's quite effective for more seasoned leaders who want to equip other leaders but perhaps don't have the time to prepare resources. You know, they're doing it on the job. They can pick the book up. There's 48 punchy little chapters and they say, well, let me just read one of these with you. Um, what are your reflections? What are your thoughts? Yeah. yeah. Um, so kind of that's the philosophy behind it. And, you know, I, I'm really enjoying using it and I, I hope people enjoy reading it. I like that moment that you're, you know, painting the picture of, uh, especially because everybody that's, you know, listening to the show, uh, time is the biggest constraint, right? And the, the greatest resource they have. And so instead of potentially going out there and finding, okay, how am I going to use this, build the capacity of my team, grab your book, punchy chapters, let's read this section on listening, have a quick dialogue, you know, about that. And it just, uh, that's going to spark a spark a flame, you know, is what we want. And I also want to um, highlight what you said, too, that sometimes the greatest thing a leader can do is actually get out of the way, right? So if you haven't figured this out yet and you're a ruckus maker listening to the show, at least learn from, from my experience as well. Within Better Leaders, Better Schools, I am the chief bottleneck, right? Like ideas come to me and projects come to me to die. <laughs> Not because I don't like them or squash them. It's about optimizing the value I can create and building a team, right? That could support the vision. And the more I do on my own, the less we can accomplish as a, as a group. And so that's, that's just a, a lesson I continually get taught on a daily basis. So 
Well, let me tell you, a little, I, I really agree with that. And let me just tell you a little example. Um, so some of the schools I work with in the UK here, we do a lot of sort of experiential learning where I'll go into a school and we'll take them to an outdoor activity centre and we'll talk about leadership in the context of them actually doing stuff. So yeah, yeah. good example, inner city, Birmingham, in the centre of the UK, very urban area. And we took some of these young people out into the rural uh, rural places where they did a two-day expedition, camping, cooking, canoeing. I set them leadership tasks along the way and we did lots of little coaching moments. But the, this whole thing was highlighted brilliantly where in the planning for this whole two-day expedition, the staff and I, the staff from the school and I were sitting down and I said, so what's going to happen when they get back from their walk? And one of the staff said, well, they'll be quite tired from their walk, won't they? So let's make sure we've got a nice hot meal ready for them. And that they're thinking about almost spoon feeding these young people. And I was thinking that's exactly what we're not going to do. <laughs> because if you want to grow leaders, what you need to do is grow people who come back from a long walk and they're tired and they don't want to cook an evening meal. Who are the people who are going to step up and serve? Who are the people who are going to go the extra mile to look out for everybody else? And if we constantly take away those moments from young people because we're spoon feeding them in the classroom or lowering the, lowering the bar of what we feel they, uh, we expect of them, then they're never going to rise to it. And that's obviously self-perpetuating. It's creating a culture of dependency, a culture of spoon feeding. So I challenged these staff and said, we're not going to do all these things. We're going to let the young people do it. And interestingly, they're going to cook dinner for us. And it wasn't because we wanted to be lazy. <laughs> yeah. It was because we wanted to teach them that leadership requires serving and hard work. And that's just a little example where it's been a mindset shift, I hope, in the school of, of stopping trying to give everything on a plate. And I think sometimes education does that too, too readily. Yeah, yeah. The hand-holding or the spoon-feeding, as you say, you know, that, that just... Uh... It removes the discomfort and the tension and the challenge where people figure it out and step up, right, and rise to the challenge, which is what leadership is all about. So um, really, really great points, Mark, and highly encourage the ruckus maker listening to pick up your book. I am not a leader with a big red uh, red dash through the knot because you you are a leader. I think before I get to my last two questions, you know, we were riffing on the pre-chat about the, the Feynman technique and, uh, you know, just being able to distill complex ideas into the simplest form. And I think that's a great, actually, like leadership skill set to have, too, because we're actually, you know, we're a chief storyteller within our organizations and we have to influence. And one great way to influence people is to tell compelling stories, right, that Touch not only the heads, which is nice, but the hearts. That's really where the magic happens. Absolutely. And uh, it's hard to do that if you're complex and convoluted and all over the place. But if you can get simple in your messaging, uh, then the message can land. So is there anything you'd like to add to that? Or, or what's Mark's approach to uh, getting a message distilled down to the simplest essence? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great point. I think, uh, you know, communicating simply and clearly is a real gift and it also takes real hard work. Yeah. I always say, you know, if you can't explain something simply and clearly, you haven't really understood it. Yeah. You know, when I'm working with adults, I often say, imagine speaking that to a nine-year-old. Would they understand it? There's no reason to use long convoluted words and ideas. Just say it in a really simple way that a nine-year-old will understand it. That's usually a good test. And often I think clarity in communication is as much about what you don't say as what you do say. So you've got all this stuff to say, you've prepared really hard. Now the discipline is what do you strip out to distill it down to the really key points? Because when you say too much, your really good stuff gets drowned. 
Mm. So it's best to say less, but be really on point with what you're doing. For me, that's just a real discipline um, and hard work. You leave 90% of your learning and your thinking on the table and just serve up the very best for that particular moment. You don't have to give everything you've got on a subject. And I think that's often a common problem for more experienced leaders is the danger of giving too much advice and wisdom because there's loads to draw on rather than being really discerning and saying, what does this person in this moment need? And then I'm just going to say it and shut up. And there's always room for more. So yeah, clarity just comes from, from simplicity, say it to a nine-year-old. Uh, clarity comes from stripping away all the fluff and just focusing on the really key things. And it's a, definitely a skill and something we've all got to keep working on. Right. Yeah. There's, there's some, um, I think it quotes from Jessica Jackley, who uh, co-founded Kiva, like the microloan organization. I was teaching this delegation masterclass and the essence of what she said is like choosing what not to do is just as important or maybe more important than choosing the right stuff to work on. And that could be translated to a message as well, amplifying what you said, right? Choosing not what to say, right? What to edit out is just as important as what you actually will say. So thank you. Um, thank you for all of that, Mark. So speaking of messages in simple messages, if you could put a single message on every school marquee around the world for a single day, what would your message read? I, I love this question. It really got me thinking, to be honest. And I was thinking, oh, I, I want a different message depending on the context. But you, you've very carefully said one message for every marquee around the world. And I think for me, it would be something like growing leaders for tomorrow's world. Yeah. I, I like it because it's dynamic. It's the sense of we're growing, we're growing together, and it's ongoing. But I, you, know, you look around the world today, and we've got a few examples of brilliant leaders and lots of examples of terrible leaders. But so much leadership development starts in adulthood, and yet leaders don't start developing in adulthood. So if we can use our time in education to really develop people who will be brilliant leaders for tomorrow's world, that's what our world needs. And I think if I was to sort of tear up the rule book in schools, leadership would be right up there as one of the key things I'd like to focus on globally, because I think it's one of the most influential things for the world at the time we're living in. Yeah, right. Brilliant. So now let's say you're building your dream school, Mark. And in this thought experiment, you have no constraints in terms of resources. Your only limitation is your imagination. So how would you build your dream school? And what would be the top three guiding principles? Again, I like this one. Hey, not, not having any financial constraints, given that most schools I work in, that's one of the big things that's yeah. a struggle. Um, it's almost impossible. Um, for me personally, a few components. I'd love to see more experiential learning. Um, personally, for me, that's more outdoor learning, but not exclusively, but really experiencing stuff. And I'm moving from the textbook into real kind of experiencing of the things we're talking about. And I think we can be way more creative in that space. Interestingly, the whole move to during COVID to online learning made me really think, and I've spoken to loads of educators on this, that we're living in a kind of Google age with information at fingertips and so much teaching is regurgitating what's in a textbook, what can be Googled. So I'd love to see education be way more flexible where the information can be gained at an individual's pace in a style and format that works for them. Is it reading? Is it video? Is it dialogue? Whatever. But the insight to really come through kind of tutorial time and time with the teacher where okay, you've read your content. Let's have a discussion about this. Let's really develop creativity and thinking. So I'd separate out information and insight and the information 
multiple channels for learning stuff. The insight moment is the moment where we really talk and learn to relate around stuff and do some thinking. And I think tied to that would be, you know, let's rethink how we lay out classrooms because the traditional model, and you touched on it earlier, of sitting in rows with the teacher up the top doing a lot of the talking, it isn't facilitating everything we want education to be. And yet it's a model that we've persisted with for, you know, for decades, for hundreds of years, really. And I think the third thing, so the experiential, more outdoor learning, differentiating between information and insight. And the third thing, I think, is more flexible curriculums. I just, my heart sinks when I go into schools and particularly for certain young people, they're being pushed into very narrow curricula that have been decided by other people. And it's just not their area of interest or a way that they learn. And it's just killing them. Uh, And I'd love to think that there could be way more flexibility in pursuing the interests of individuals within a framework of applying what they're learning and sharing what they're learning and thinking it through for later in life. Uh, And, you know, if we're going to grow leaders for tomorrow's world, for me, these three things would be absolutely vital components, which I'd like to see. And I kind of don't think that they're too difficult. They shouldn't be too difficult. We're not talking about major changes. Well, they're, they're major in some sense, but they're not difficult to change. But for some reason, they're not changing much. So we need, we need more ruckus makers. And Danny, the work that you and your team are doing is brilliant because it's really enthusing a generation of people who want to make a difference. Um, so I just commend you for that and want to keep supporting you in it. Thank you. That means a lot. Well, Mark, we've had, we've had an awesome discussion for sure. And we've covered a lot of ground uh, based on everything we talked about today. What's the one thing you want a ruckus maker listening to remember? I want to, I want to encourage every listener that in every young person that you work with or see, there's those seeds of leadership. And we just got to water those seeds and see what happens. So let's not write anybody off in a leadership sense because they don't fit the typical leadership stereotype. Uh, There's so much potential that's untapped. And, you know, we'd do really well if we can dig into it and really release the potential that lies within so many of our wonderful young people all over the world. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed. Mm-hmm.